Welcome nerd. Are you ready to launch 125th expedition into nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now boiling the cauldron for your witch's brew. Unecrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Chris. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. Christian, so over the weekend, I came to the realization that kids nowadays don't know what Saturday morning cartoons are. And it, yeah. it hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> when you were a kid growing up, did you have Saturday morning cartoons? Absolutely. They didn't, okay. they weren't over just yet. <laughs> so you, like, you woke up early in the morning, got your bowl of cereal, and sat in front of the TV, and that was it for like a good three to four hour stretch, right? Yep, for about 20 years of my life. <laughs> yeah, and it was something that you looked forward to. Like, I think mm. I look forward to like Saturday morning cartoons more than like just being off of school. Um, like I was always super stoked. <laughs> my daughter will never know the joy of Saturday morning cartoons because nowadays, like you literally just have channels playing cartoons all the fucking time, mm. you know? So like, it's just nonstop. Like everything's on tap. Um, we're like, we had to wait all week long to get our cartoons. <laughs> so, and there was no fucking pausing. There was no recording, at least back <laughs> in my day. <laughs> You missed him. You missed him. And that was it. You know, but my daughter's got fucking pause, rewind and shit. Like mm. she knows the DVR better than I do at this point. So, I mean, so what were some of your favorite Saturday morning cartoons, Christian? Uh, I had the Animaniacs. Uh, they were still doing reruns of old Spider-Man when I was uh, young. Uh, they were doing X-Men. They had the newer X-Men Fox series that was going on. The one where they're all in like high school. X-Men Evolution. Yeah, yeah, that was that one. Static Shock. Um, Man, and you're also... making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> there was tons I, of girls. I had like Super Friends and like <laughs> um, Spider Man and his amazing friends, like the Gummy Bears. <laughs> I'd have the good shit like you had. Yeah, man, so. I had all like had a catalog of pretty much all those great '90s cartoons that they would just replay uh, during my childhood. So that was. My greatness. Um, and I, no one paid attention to me, so I did use the VCR and okay. record over tapes all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I never thought about it at that time, but VCRs mm. were pretty brand new, so I'm pretty sure those blank tapes cost a lot of money, you know, when I was that age. So, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I do remember, like, my, like, I think it was probably like middle school, like, waking up on a Saturday morning, like, to watch, like, you know, the X-Men animated mm. series and everything. That was huge when it came out. Um, but yeah, my daughter will never know the joys of like, you know, looking forward to that all week long and, you know, getting that huge block of cartoons. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it's better this way where she could just watch it at any point. You know, she doesn't get tons of TV here, but, you know, mm. like everything's just on tap. And like if she if we don't have something, she looks at us like we're crazy. Like if we can't find <laughs> it, <laughs> like, listen to me, kid. She's like, well, just YouTube it, Dad. Jesus. I was like, okay, you know what? You're spoiled. <laughs> What's funny is I actually make a point to try to watch, like, anime nowadays on Saturdays. Like, oh, I really? I will, like, get up and, like, we'll, we'll binge a bunch of anime today because it's so, Saturday. 
are you just like trying to get that nostalgic feel like you're keeping it on Saturday because of that? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, okay. I could see that. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, man. Now I'm like, I'm just happy to like be able to sleep in a little bit, you know, <laughs> as much as I can with a five-year-old. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with her. I'm binging everything that I can, you know. <laughs> it is fantastic that like everything's there at like, mm-hmm. you know, fingertips length where you can watch it pretty much at any time. I mean, now I have so many streaming services, you know, um, you pretty much find anything. But I, I don't know, man, just the fact that, you know, the you had to wait for the shows almost, <laughs> I feel like, made them more like special. Mm hmm. Yeah. You know, like, as, uh. No, right I don't now. want to go back to those times because <laughs> <laughs> I'm also spoiled along with my daughter where I'm used to be able to watch, you know, the Batman animated series when I want to watch the Batman mm. animated series. You know? Well, do you also get the other side of that coin, which is like there's so much there that you don't know what to watch or yes. like you'll just put on something random bullshit because you don't want to watch anything that it's, you have to pay attention to or it's too big of a choice <laughs> yes like, <laughs> i've actually you know because i i still collect blu-rays and shit on that mm-hmm. you know geek um so i still stand in front of my like blu-ray wall because there's a lot of them and i'll end up standing <laughs> and spending like 15 minutes trying to choose what i want to end up watching and then i'll turn around sit down and watch netflix because i just can't make that decision and it's the same with like the streaming. Well, I'll be like, okay, you know what? I really want. I'm in the mood for this, but then like, oh wait, this is still in my queue, and then you end up not watching anything. You know, looking at your phone the entire fucking time. <laughs> so I mean, I'm I with think you. it's been like a month since I watched uh, Westworld last, just because I don't want I don't want anything on that I have to pay attention to. Yeah, and stuff like that. <laughs> it is hard to like disconnect from your phone like mm-hmm. in social media at times when you have stuff on. So I will like make a point to like turn off my phone if I'm watching something, especially if I have to like review it for the show, um, you know, but it is hard. It is hard. All right, man. Well, we got plenty of news to talk about, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review if you like the show. And if you DM us a screenshot, not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some nerd swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. All right, we have Henry Cavill returning as Superman for future DC comic movies. So yeah, apparently uh, he will be reprising the role uh, as Clark Kent, um, and it's going to be more kind of in the fashion of Nick Fury and the Incredible Hulk, where he'll just be like appearing in other films um, as a supporting character or, or even like cameos. Um, I'm okay with this. I, you know, I I feel like in Justice League, even though that movie is a piece of shit, um, I finally saw a glimpse of Superman, um, even though it was fleeting, um, where I, I believed that, you know, he could do this role. So I, I'm excited to see, you know, underneath a different director, you know, his, you know, take on Superman. So I, I just, I never, you know, bought into, you know, the character with, you know, Zack Snyder. Um, you know, if Zack Snyder is attached to like his return, <laughs> which I'm scared of right now with all the fucking, you know, Snyder cut buzz. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be disappointed. But if this is just, you know, Cavill being Superman and getting to do his own thing and, you know, we get more of that like Christopher Reeve vibe, uh, 
I'm good with it. You, you know, bring him back. You know, I just I always see Warner Brothers having, you know, dollar signs in their eyes. So like with Snyder coming back with a Snyder cut, that's my first fear. You know, it's going to be Snyder and Cavill. Man, Man back of Steel 2, right? Man of Steel 2. Um, and then how does Superman work in a cameo? Exactly. Is like, he just going to show up and save the day and just like <laughs> smile at the camera and fly away? Like, is that what's going to be basically it? Like the Flash is getting his ass kicked and then <laughs> Superman comes, you know, blasts him with some Arctic breath or something. And then just like, hey, see you later. <laughs> you know? The entire Green Lantern core is like down and out. Superman just comes in one punch. Yeah. Hey, good. good <laughs> see you guys. Bye. Thanks. We just wasted two hours. <laughs> that's it, what it, Justice League was. Well, exactly. exactly. Right. That's what happened at the end of Justice League. So I was like, man, the rest of these heroes are just worthless. <sighs> So, yeah, no, I mean, hopefully it's not that, um, you know, I'd love to see, you know, him get paired with the right director and, you know, eventually even get his own film again. All right. Up next, Harley Quinn movie project in the works at Warner Brothers. Obviously. <laughs> yes. It's like no shit. <laughs> you know, even though that Birds of Prey like didn't do that great in the box office, I mean, it still made money um, and it it's an ultra like popular character. So of course they're like trying to figure out where Harley is going to end up next. Um, do you have a vision for what you would like to see out of like, you know, this character in the DC universe? Um, I'm not sure. I, I definitely would like to see her and like poison Ivy have a kind of like film together. I think that would be a great direction to take her. Mm -hmm. uh, especially since Poison Ivy hasn't had anything good um, ever <laughs> in um, DC films. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, besides, you know, what Uma Thurman did, which was, you know, once again, horrible. <laughs> I don't, she hasn't really been in any other films, so. Mm -hmm. uh, beyond that, you know, what they're already doing with Suicide Squad, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what James Gunn is going to bring to the table, stuff like that. But I, I don't know where you go with Harley at the moment. I would like to see a Birds of Prey 2. I do think there's potential there. Um, but you know, the first one was good to a point. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of want her to stay away from birds of prey just because I, you know, that was such a, like, you know, Harley centric, you know, film mm. where I felt like it kind of took away from like the rest of the characters where I'd be okay with the birds of prey movie moving on without Harley. And I, it was almost kind of set up that way. If you think about it, um, I don't think they'll go that route, um, just because she's the people bringing, you know, asses mm. into seats. But, you know, it, it did feel like she was kind of moving on and like the birds were like a team. It, th I mean, that once again, not to do a re-review for the movie, that movie definitely feels more like a, a prequel to The Birds of Prey than an actual like, you know, movie about The Birds of Prey. So, um, but do you want to see Harley and the Joker back together at any point? Like not so much like in a relationship, but in a movie together? Oh, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind it, but at the same time, it has to be a good Joker. It has to be a, a well-written Joker, a well-thought-out so Joker. So not Jared Leto <laughs> is what you're saying? I, I don't think it's him. I think it was just poor design and writing. No, you know? yeah, I don't blame him and his performance, but I, mm. I agree. It's more about script and, you know, character design overall. So, um, but yeah. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind to get like a mad love story eventually, but you do have to have the right Joker. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, and get the right message across. So I, I, I liked where they're going with the character in Birds, though. And we'll see what happens with, you know, the sequel to Suicide Squad. So as long as they keep on, like, traveling down that road, I feel like Harley's in the right hands. All right, and then up next, following the news of the Snyder Cuts, Suicide Squad director David Ayer says his cut of the movie does exist. But the question, Christian, is... Do we want to fucking see it? Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't really see a lot in Suicide Squad where I feel like, oh, well, with a few additional scenes. And yeah, I don't know, man. This doesn't excite me at all. With the success of like the Snyder Cut actually like being a thing now, um, fans are starting to stir and, you know, clamor for the air cut, I guess. Um for me, there just wasn't a lot there in the first place where I'd want to see more of this movie. Um, but Ayers come out and said that, you know, there were quite a bit of changes that the studio, um, you know, did to the film, um, which is actually the opposite of what he originally said. I, at one point in an interview, he said, no, the cut that you see of the Suicide Squad is my cut. But now he's saying that, no, there were actually quite a bit of changes made. Um, I guess Harley and Deadshot, like, had a relationship. They fell for each other in the movie. Um, He had a whole different opening sequence. Um, There was a big scene with the Joker, like, driving the tattoo man to suicide. And then Diablo actually ended up surviving the film. So, I mean, those are some, you know, huge changes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know why he downplayed that originally, uh, but, you know, maybe he was just trying to be, you know, you know, a good team player or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, Saving grace and stuff But like he's that. definitely taken a lot of shit for this movie, you know, over <laughs> the years. So <laughs> I'm surprised he kept his mouth shut. Um, I don't know if this is him stirring up, you know, the potential of an air cut. You know, he's kind of seeming like he's downplaying it a little, but I don't know. I mean, would you want to see it? I mean, I, I'd be curious to see it. I did kind of enjoy the original. Um, <laughs> David's already shaking his head. Now. But, uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot you could see me through Skype. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, there was potential. It felt like it felt like something straight out of the comics, and I think that's the reason why I originally liked the film. But um, I, I wouldn't mind knowing what their what his original cut was. You know, with changes like Diablo surviving by the end of the film. It, you know, I don't. How does that change his self sacrifice for that moment and that whole scene in the movie? So I'm I'm curious to see what you know what his vision was by the end of the day, but not so much that I'm you know campaigning for it. <laughs> yeah, well, and that, that's the thing. Like you know, so does the film end on the same note? Does Harley mm-hmm. end up going back to the Joker at the end of the film if you know her and Deadshot have a relationship all of a sudden? You know, well, so it Harley. does. It does feel like you know some really significant like hmm. changes were done to this film. So um, I'm surprised that he's like stuck by it so hardcore. He's, he's probably just finally gotten the opportunity to let it all out at this point. I guess, I guess, but it feels like every other month there's like an article about him like going back and forth with fans. And at one point, he actually apologized um, for the way he treated Harley um, to to a fan on Twitter. So it just seems like you know the project that just won't go away for him. 
All right, last but not least, Scott Derrickson to direct Labyrinth sequel. All right, so I'm not the hugest Labyrinth fan, but I was surprised by this news. Um, you know, with the passing of David Bowie, it just feels like something they wouldn't necessarily want to touch because he just feels like irreplaceable, um, you know, especially for a sequel. So, I mean, those are some big shoes to fill. Um, and like, I don't know, it's a weird choice to like carry on the story when you could just kind of do a reboot and start mm-hmm. over again. Because, I mean, no matter what, like, whoever's, like, you know, taking over the role is going to be living in Bowie's shadow. And I can't foresee who would fit that role. Like, you have to be a five-tool player. Like, who would you cast? I have no idea. Who do you pass the glass balls down to? Um, <laughs> you know, it's... It, like, and have tons... they been manscaped? Have they been manscaped? Good point. Good point, Dan. Plug, plug. <laughs> Does Jennifer Conley come back? Um, perhaps uh, a motherly figure for whoever's going through the labyrinth nowadays. Uh, that's the obvious choice, I think. Um, I just really hope it's not like a CGI piece of garbage. I hope that they go with, you know, practical puppets and everything. I hope Jim Henson's company is involved. Uh we saw it with like Dark Crystal. It's possible. It's just, you know, whether or not the studio is willing, you know, to put the time and money into it. So, because, yeah, CGI, like, you know, characters will just take me right out of this movie. It definitely needs to be fucking Muppets up there singing and dancing. But with <laughs> all that being said, I do feel like Derrickson is a good fit for this movie. You know, he's got, it feels like, you know, he tends to trend darker with the kind of stories that he likes mm-hmm. to tell. So, I mean, he's got the resume that fits. All right, Damon, there's a movie you saw that is taking the nation by storm. Kind of. It's more of like a, a rain shower, you know, on a, <laughs> on a sunny day, a sun shower, if you will. <laughs> uh, but no, I saw the movie The Wretched. And now, our feature presentation. Dad, mom's being... Weird. Mom's always been weird. <laughs> what are you doing up here? Do it! Don't let her in. My son likes to play hide and seek. Can you bring him down? I didn't say he was here. You're a very stupid boy. A defiant teenage boy struggling with his parents' imminent divorce faces off with a thousand-year-old witch who is living beneath the skin of the woman next door. Uh, This was directed and written by Brett Pierce and Drew T. Pierce. So I heard a little buzz about this film a while back. Um, It was playing at, like, a few festivals. But, like, over the past month, um, this movie's been making a lot of headlines, um, albeit kind of tongue-in-cheek for being the number one movie at the box office. Most of these articles are kind of, like, more or less speculating um, at, like, a potential resurgence um, at, of, like, drive-ins due to, like, COVID-19. But it's still a lot of nice buzz for this small independent film. So I figured, you know what, why the hell not check it out? It's on video on demand right now, so I just went ahead and streamed it um, the other day. And I'm happy to report this is a solid, in a weird kind of way, a throwback um, horror film. 
that I thoroughly just enjoy. This film is a modern take on the classic Witch in the Woods story. Um, lately, the witch subgenre has kind of had this like bit of renaissance that I've really dug. Um, I'm a big fan of, you know, witch movies. So, but anyway, let's get into the plot. Uh, we meet up with our young protagonist. Um, he's this troubled teenager named Ben who's come to stay with his father for the summer. Um, his parents are in the middle of this awful divorce. We come to kind of like suspect that something's happening with the neighbors. And Ben's really, really concerned for the neighbor's young child, Dylan who, you know, he's kind of befriended. The directors are the Pierce brothers, and from the opening scene, they've set this, like, great sense of unease um, by letting you know no one is safe in this movie. And I think for a horror film that's filled with, like, young children, that tone is really important. So many mainstream horror films will have children as characters, but like nine times out of ten, you know they're going to be safe no matter what happens, especially even if they're like the main characters. And I think that's one of the reasons why this film carries such a nostalgic vibe for me, because in the 80s, in somewhat in the 90s, you know, there were a lot of like films focused on children and they weren't completely off the board. They were definitely in danger. Um, so another reason why like it has this like great nostalgic feel, um, even though they're not like beating you over the head with it, um, it, it's all these like wonderful old school practical effects. Um, light spoilers, um, one of the witch's abilities is to wear other people's skin. And we, we kind of see that in the trailers. But this is all brought to life with just, like, great effects. Um, they do a wonderful job using lighting and this kind of, like, less is more approach. Um, showing you just enough gore to get the message across, you know, depending on your horror sensibility. You know, but I felt like it was enough to tell the story properly. Also, the design of the witch is just magnificent. This is just an absolutely gorgeous-looking creature. Um, you don't get to see much of her, but, like, when you do, it's super effective. Um, like, I would imagine, like, you know, being, like, a horror fan in the 80s and seeing, like, this witch on the cover of Fangoria. I'm, I'm surprised that it doesn't happen, you know, in the next, like, couple months. Um, but the Pierce brothers are really talented directors and like this film has great pacing. It's thick with atmosphere and suspense. And unfortunately it really needs these ingredients, um, to make up for the fact that the script is what I would call a little light. Um, it definitely feels like at one point this might have been a short film that they decided to make like feature length. That happens a lot with like independent horror films. Uh, there's just this weird like lack of characterization. Um, you know, fortunately, it's made up by like really charismatic performances. Um, but like some things just feel way too rushed. Um, ben. Um, is able to, like, figure out this whole mystery of what's going on with his neighbors by finding, like, one 
clue that was like you know etched into like their like front steps um he literally goes and does a google search and like they it takes him to a web page i kid you fucking not called wikipedia and god i hope this is a real thing and if it's not it needs to be where within like minutes fucking uh you know sherlock holmes meets columbo is able to find everything out about like the very witch he's fucking dealing with also like it it has this plot device it's really going for this like rear window hitchcock vibe that you know it it's a nice way to tell the story but at the same time it's not super effective because there's like no mystery really going on for the audience like we know exactly what's happening um, so the fact, I guess, is kind of lost. All that being said, you know, all those little flaws aside, and, you know, they might be too glaring for some, you know, audience members, and I get it. The Pierce brothers really make up for these things with, like, just, like, great craftsmanship. They know how to build a scare and set up mood, um, which I feel like is just a lost art form at times. Um, it really was, like, James Wan-esque. Um, if I had to compare them to like another director, um, also just the aesthetics of this film really like help keep it afloat. Um, it's great cinematography. Um, they really know how to use like shadows and lighting um, to like you know build an effective you know scare. Uh, there's also really you know well done like plot twist that happens um it doesn't really like make or break the film and i think maybe i enjoyed it because i thought it was clever and i didn't see it coming and maybe i should have um but i felt like it gave like the third act a little more life so like overall while they didn't necessarily reinvent the wheel with this movie and you know besides its little flaws I do think they had the right formula to really just tell this really entertaining throwback horror film. Um, I just really, really enjoyed it. Well, I guess with that being said, um, with the story being so light, you know, are, are these characters, you know, performances and all that strong enough for you to care about them in general? It was a really talented cast. You know, they didn't give them a lot to do or say, but um, <laughs> overall, just the, you know... They had natural charisma and really good chemistry where I found myself caring for them. I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm doing the script justice. It's not that light where, you know, you don't like the characters, but I, I, I would definitely say that they could have had more. At least we could have had more scenes, you know, where we get to know the characters a little more and their relationships. But I mean, using the whole concept of him being like new to this town he is kind of like getting to know, you know, a few of the other characters. So he's kind of the outsider. So it kind of works with the lighter script, I guess. There's just one thing I didn't talk about was like, there's this weird subplot with these bullies, which I feel like they could have gotten rid of because it like absolutely goes nowhere. The bullies just kind of disappear, like, you know, halfway through the film. Um, I feel like they could have, you know gotten rid of that and just spent more time on like the relationships within the film and it would have felt a lot more fuller oh okay well if you had to give this a rating what would you give it i would give it a strong b plus okay i definitely sounds like something i should check out so no yeah and if you're a horror fan definitely you know give this a watch 
Alrighty. Would you have gone to the drive-in for it? Christian, right now, I'd go watch the Justice League in the drive-in. If it just meant, <laughs> like, you know, be able to go out of the house, uh-huh. and, you know, for a couple hours and do something else besides grocery shop. Yeah. I mean, I maybe know, not man. the Justice League. Maybe that's taking it too far. <laughs> but, like, Spider-Man 3, you know, I, I'd, I'd sit at a drive-in for that. With the exhaust pipe in your car. <laughs> Before we move on, this is a word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Flowers are blooming. The grass is growing. And it's time to mow your lawn. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can now trim your hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. We're talking about ball trimmers, man. Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning. Christian, ball hygiene is important. No one wants to feel like their testicles betraying on Dagobah all day long. That's why I was super excited when my wife got me Manscaped's Perfect Package 3.0. Last anniversary. My little Yodas have never been happier. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. I'm talking precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer and tons of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to go nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Manscaped obsesses over technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And they only use the best ingredients in their formulation. It's science. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. It's starting to get hot outside, and this is crucial so your balls stop sticking to your leg. And as a treat, you'll find the Crop Reviver, which will keep your ball smelling fresh, just like spring flowers. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays hygienic and clean. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com slash nerdshow. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. That's right, Christian. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash nerdshow. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com slash nerdshow. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. And remind them the nerd sent you. All right, David. Well, we got to move on to wrestling. We had a big pay-per-view this last weekend. Yes, we did. Let's talk about it. I want you to bring that fight you're known for. I want you to bring that grit you're known for. And most importantly, Mox, I want you to bring that heart. Because Big Boy is going to put his hand in your chest and tear your freaking heart out of your chest. All right, it's been a year since AEW's debut pay-per-view, Double or Nothing. Uh, What did you think about this year's version? I thought it was a solid show. I thought it was super fun. Um, You know, I was entertained from start to finish. No, I have to say, yeah, as an entertainment product, this was, you know, solid. Um, But uh, there's there's some some steps here and there that I I thought could have been better. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a perfect show, but (laughs) (laughs) I was definitely entertained, though. But let's go ahead and let's get into it. Sure. Did you see the buy-in, Damon? I actually did. All right. Um, It was okay. Uh, Private Party definitely needs to get some more experience, you know, underneath their belts. They're they're still pretty green. Hmm. Um, I felt like, you know, the best friends had to carry them a little bit here and there. Uh, But overall, it it was a fine match. Yeah, it seems like they got some time with 15 minutes, but I didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah, I'm excited that the best friends are going to actually get a title shot. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. super over right now. Um, And actually, their segments on, uh, you know, Dynamite are, you know, highly rated. And I think a lot of that, I mean, a lot of that probably has to do with Orange Cassidy, honestly. (laughs) But, I mean, good for those guys. You know, uh, I'm actually surprised that they had a tag match on the pre-show. You know, they've put so much, like, emphasis on we're going to be the tag team show and then they put that on a pre-show but i mean you know that is a good point that is a good point and you know honestly i mean over you know the past like couple months best friends have really carried dynamite they've been like you know one of the bigger focal points because they were actually there during all the Mm -hmm. tapings (laughs) so um yeah i'm surprised they didn't get a little more shine you know on on the pay-per-view itself but oh well, maybe they'll be title holders soon. But I guess part of it too is that you've got you know Kenny and you know Hangman tied up with the whole stadium stampede. So true. Uh, but you know it is what it is. You, I'm surprised they didn't shift things around actually, where maybe you put like Chris Stadlander and Penelope Ford like you know in the pre-show and then move you know the tag match up. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that would have at least been the better choice. That's what I figured when I saw that they were having a match. But, you know, their choice, their show. (laughs) It is. (laughs) All right. um, First match on the card was the casino ladder match for the AEW uh, World Championship, like a future title shot. Uh, That featured Brian Cage, who was our mystery um, opponent, and Darby Allin, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janela, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, um, and then uh, Frankie Kazarian and Luchasaurus. All right. Um, so overall, I thought this was a, a good match. I didn't think it was a great match. Um, as a vehicle to get Brian Cage over, I thought it worked pretty well. Um, I was a little annoyed with the announcers for not selling, like, you know, Brian Cage's, like, arrival a little Mm. more. Like, Jim Ross and Tony kind of just, like, grumbled through it, it almost felt like. Excalibur tried to make it a bigger deal. (laughs) Um, but I, it it was a little odd to me. It felt kind of flat. But then once he got into the match, you know, they gave him a lot of really good spots and everything and really played up his size and the fact that, you know, he can wrestle, um... So it, it seemed like it was really designed around him, which was good. But, like, for some reason, like, this match, and I don't know if it was, like, you know, kind of, like, the Royal Rumble style of doing the entrances, um, it felt kind of, like, just, I don't know, off pace a little mm. at times, where there was, like, some slow po- points where, like, nothing was happening. Um, like, Orange Cassidy came in, and, you know, he had his whole bit going on. And then, like, at one point after he dodged a couple wrestlers, like, he's just standing over there, like, in the middle of the ring, like, working the ladder. But it went on for, like, almost like a minute or so. And it just felt like too much dead time. Um, So, but there was a few other spots like that where, like, everything was taking place with just, like, maybe a couple wrestlers in the middle of the ring. And then everyone else just, like, overselling things, like, on the outside of the ring. 
Yeah, I just I I don't like the concept of the match. I I felt like the Royal Rumble style of people coming out just didn't work for me. Like I would rather see all of them at once, kind of money in the bank style. Just go at it. I I don't need you know entrances. Yeah, and I <laughs> I you know I applaud them for trying to like change things up, but at the same time I just felt like it messed with the rhythm of the match too mm-hmm. much. Um, so I, I, I would have been more entertained with just fucking chaos. So, and that's not necessarily what we got. I felt like it was almost like too scripted, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, with a match like that, I guess you kind of have to be, but I don't know. It just, it, that, that portion of the match, I mean, there's some great spots here and there. I mean, you know, cage throwing Darby Allen while he's like on top of a ladder outside of the ring was just a horrific spot. <laughs> but at the same time, like they almost botched it at first. Um, I will give credit to the camera, you know, guy or the director at least for, you know, cutting away once he realized he had to reposition him onto the ladder. <laughs> um, so, but you could kind of tell what was going on, mm-hmm. but it was still a nice spot. I was like, holy shit. There, is there anything that Darby Allen won't fucking do? At this point, like, I'm actually worried for the guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I mean, once I saw Cage, you know, make his debut, I was like, oh, he's winning this thing. And, and he did. So <laughs> um, were you happy with Cage, you know, winning? I mean, I was fine with it. I, I felt like it was too obvious. I, I'd rather there have been a little bit more of a struggle for him. But I guess, you know, they're just going to play up to his size and play up to, you know, um, him just being this force to go up against uh, Moxley in the future. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they want to make the guy a big deal, and I get mm-hmm. it, and this is a good vehicle for him to do that, you know, to you know, to obviously put the spotlight on him. But, you know, I mean, otherwise, who would you like to see win here, if not Cage? I mean, honestly, I was hoping Marty was showing up, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we were speculating maybe, like, Marty would make, you know, an appearance, since mm-hmm. he kind of has that weird open contract with, you know, Ring of Honor right now, where he can basically do whatever he wants, or go wherever he wants. Um, I Actually, I was kind of hoping Darby Allen would have won. You know, he's super hot right now, and what a nice way to kind of, like, you know, give him a push by having him win. Here and I think that'd be a really great match to see Moxley and Allen. I know they fought before, mm-hmm. but I felt like there was some unfinished business there. So there were definitely moments in the match where I thought it could be Frankie Kazarian. I thought that would have been an interesting choice. You know, since Scorpio's already had the chance, maybe yeah. he'll get a big push there. I don't think they're done with Scorpio though. I definitely no. feel like they're going to revisit that <laughs> soon because mm-hmm. they've been giving him kind of like solo vignettes lately. Um, so I think he's going to be getting a push. I could definitely see him, you know, going after that TNT title eventually. So, but yeah, overall, I mean, the match was fine. Um, and I thought it did work well for, you know, you know, Cage's like debut. Yeah. All right. Uh, up next, we have MJF versus Jungle Boy. I really enjoyed this match. I think it was probably one of the best matches on the card. Um you know, just like two future superstars, you know, not WWE superstars, just, <laughs> you know, in the sense of being like mm-hmm. huge stars, um, you know, going at each other. Um, I hope they like feud for like the next couple years that we kind of see this like rivalry like develop between the two of them. So I, I really thought there was like some really well done spots. I thought there was some good mat work. Um, I loved all the transitions that they're doing. They wrestled really like smoothly together. And I don't know mm-hmm. if they've wrestled a lot outside of AEW, but it felt like they had good chemistry. Yeah, no. Um, 
I, I continue to love Jungle Boy and all of his work. Uh, I do feel like these two are the perfect foils for each other, um, character-wise. But I would like to see... I, I'm still hoping that Jungle Boy evolves into a different character at some point. Because mm. uh, I, I see so much more for him as going for. I don't feel like the Jungle Boy character is going to last as long as he can. No, I agree. I think mm. they're, you're going to get more Jack Perry. You know, then yeah. Jungle Boy. Um, I think that sit down interview that he did with JR a month or two back when he faced mm-hmm. off against Jericho, I think they're going to start, you know, slowly like developing that character more. And we're going to see that version of him instead of like this weird mute character. I don't even understand the gimmick, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> He's supposed to be Tarzan, you know? Yeah, but he lives in like Beverly Hills, right? Yeah. <laughs> Am I just assuming he lives in Beverly Hills because who well, his dad was? <laughs> they um during being the elite, they show him just hanging out in the woods. But I mean, yeah, he no, still has I, a cell phone. And... For, yes. <laughs> but yes, I I do feel like you're gonna get less of that gimmick and more of his like true character soon. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I love it. MJF is just so great. Yes, honestly, I mean, <laughs> on you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing Jungle Boy like pick up the win here. Because I feel like MJF wouldn't necessarily lose anything. No, but I feel like they're they're doing kind of like what with Jericho, where he has you know this unstoppable record, where mm-hmm. he is cheating to win. But I mean, they want to have that big moment. You know with what? Someone. You're right because he's undefeated right now. Mm-hmm, so yeah. I mean, do you want that like streak to end here? You know, or I it feels like just obvious that he's going to end up facing off against Cody again. You know, for that yeah. TNT belt. So. I guess that makes sense. I, I mean, Jungle Boy did win the Battle Royal uh, to get a TNT title shot on uh, Dynamite this week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're still pushing Jungle Boy. And, you know, and this isn't like WWE where if someone loses a match it, that they're instantly buried or they're not getting a push. You know, I feel like they realize that, you know, they're making it more sports-like where someone could take a loss. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't kill the character. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited for both these guys to see what their future is going to look like. All right. Well, up next, we have Cody versus Lance Archer for the TNT championship. All right. So for me, I enjoyed the match, you know, for the most part, but I feel like I had this problem with Cody's last pay-per-view match also, where there was too much shit happening outside of the ring mm-hmm. um you know too much fucking gaga you know with you know jake and arn and everything especially in the last couple minutes where i felt like i just want to see cody wrestle i want to see cody and lance i want that to be the focus of the match you know not all the hijinks going on around it. i know cody likes to tell a story you know in his matches but I just don't need it to be such a big production. Like you could tone it down a little and tell the you know story within the confines of the ropes, you know. So I'm I, I'm just you know, and I like Jake as a promo and a mouthpiece for Lance. Even though I don't even know if Lance really needs a mouthpiece, um, it felt like I'd he did. He does. <laughs> I don't. I felt like he was okay in like New Japan. Everybody like, dies, Damon. Everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe he milked that a little too much, but I feel like he could still cut a promo. Uh, right. But, you know, I do like Jake as a promo, but I don't need him ringside. Like, I don't need him running around, mm-hmm. you know. I felt like they stole, like, too much of the focus of the match. 
you know um and i even from like the the angle itself the program itself i felt like jake was more of like the heel that cody should have been going after um and that like lance was almost more of that like muscle for jake Mm -hmm. um you know like i wouldn't i wish like you know when they do the whole snake bit with brandy i wish it would have been lance you know taking the snake and putting on brandy get the heat on lance not jake you know, because there's only so much payoff you're going to get with Jake. Because I don't even know if the guy can take a bump right now. Because we haven't seen that yet. And maybe mm-hmm. that's on purpose and maybe they're building up to that. But it just, I don't know. I want to see more heat on Lance. Um, and I don't need to see these guys in their 60s chasing each other <laughs> out the fucking <laughs> ring. <laughs> no, uh, so. absolutely. I mean, th- that has been almost every Cody match has been like, tons of people on the sidelines yeah i feel like this point i I am looking for something new with it um i didn't like one of the big things when it came down to just the two of them was uh, every time lance would get cody on the outside of the ring lance would just be walking around talking to the crowd for like five seconds every time and then go back to the match and it's just like that's just slowing down the pace even further and further you know we're already getting all this extra stuff might as well you know put in some actual work in the ring you know, there's that inconsistency, too, with, like, you know, the referee. You've got, like, a spot where Arn's there and, you know, crotches basically Lance while mm-hmm. he's on the top rope. And it, it just, it, it didn't really work either. Like, it took too long for Arn to actually execute it and everything. And then, like, it just, once again, like, logically, it was like, why is this other ref coming in? And, like, getting in the other referee's ear about this one spot that happens, you know, when we see this shit happen all the time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, in AEW. Like, why doesn't that then, if you can have another referee come out and, like, you know, whisper in a ref's ear and let them know about outside interference, why wouldn't that happen consistently in every single match then? Um, so, and that ended up leading to the whole finish. And then, you, you know, and then, oh, we forgot to even talk about Tyson. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was just about to bring that up. We forgot Tyson. Tyson, even from the beginning when Mike Tyson came out, and you have um, Archer like choke slamming one of it looks like is it a friend of Tyson or I someone? No, I think it's just someone in the crowd or from the back. Okay, it's just bizarre. Tyson's just there, like ha like it's, like it's or kind of like what the fuck at first, and then he starts <laughs> laughing. Uh-huh. Like no one like cued Tyson to what the hell was going to happen or he just feels like he's, I don't know, like he's not all there anymore. <laughs> you know, not that he him. was that there back then. Either. No, no. He, even when he was, you know, with WWE and the attitude error, he was a wild card. And there's interviews where they're talking about how they weren't sure, like, you know, how things were going to go down with Tyson mm-hmm. during that Stone Cold angle. They were concerned because he does feel just a little off and, like, unpredictable at times. So now you're dealing with an older Tyson, <laughs> and he seems a little more fucked up in the head. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, it was just a weird choice. Like, you don't need all this pomp and circumstance. I know it's the debut of the TNT title, um, which is a big deal, but it just felt so random to have Tyson be the one to present the title, you know? So how, how'd you feel about the look of the title? Well, it was awful, but <laughs> I do understand that, you know, it's a work in progress. So, mm-hmm. and they did make a point to say that like a multiple times on the broadcast. So like, 
it's annoying that everyone's like, well, what the fuck's with that title? It's like, well, it's a word, you know, because of shit that's been happening, you know, they couldn't get, I guess, it completely done um when it comes to like the gold and everything so it feels you know like something you would get like in one of those like back catalogs Mm. you know um from like one of those like third rate you know belt stores so um which is unfortunate it's not the best look for the title (laughs) optics wise um but you know it is what it is Especially when you have him, like, posing next to Moxley with, you know, Uh his beautiful, (laughs) you know, world title. I'm just surprised they, like, I mean, I understand you want to get, like, with Tyson, you want to get, you know, you know, mainstream media attention. But, you know, it was, you know, Memorial Day weekend. So it's not like they're going to get, like, articles the next day and shit about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure that's why they brought Tyson on Wednesday, you know, to the show to do another, you know, angle. Uh, which we'll get into, um, but like get, get like have a wrestler. You know, you've got all these other like Hall of Famers, you know, hanging out, managing people. Get some other fucking Hall of Famer to come out and present that title. No, so, yeah, that would have been smart. It just, I did, it, I did like it with the gold when they showed images of what it will look like later. Yes, yes, yeah, that was a nice looking title. So yeah. I, I don't like the red strap. I will say that. I understand it, it kind of looks like the original TV title, I guess. Um, so I guess that maybe that's why they're going with that. Um, even though it's not supposed to be like the TV title, but it really is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so overall, the match itself was okay for me. Um, I was I was fine with the results. I was fine with Cody going over. Um, but in the long run, just I wish he would pull back some of the fucking pomp and circumstance and all the fucking gaga happening outside of the ring do you think this hurts lance at all um i i don't feel like the loss hurt him too much i feel like he could come back on the show and just squash three more guys and be considered the same as he was before the match so yeah yeah and it was i mean he took like fucking what like how many crossroads so a, a and, ton. A, <laughs> and a, a lot of them he was kicking out at once so they did make him feel like you know a monster mm. so um but yeah We'll see. I just, I just, I'm, I'm okay if they, you know, him and Jake part ways at this point. Oh, okay. You want him to part ways already? Yeah. I feel like he, he'll be fine on his own and I don't need to see Jake on the outside of the ring. And he really hasn't been much of a factor in his other matches, but it was just mm-hmm. too much this week, you know, uh, you know, during the pay-per-view. So I, I, less is more, I feel like with Jake, I will okay. say the same with Arn too. Oh, yes. <laughs> Cody no, doesn't need a mouthpiece. No, it feels know? weird every time I see Arn out there, like, coaching Cody around. And I'm just like, I feel like Cody's got this on his own. Yeah. It, just, <laughs> just, it, it seems ridiculous to me. Like, he's coming out with literally with a play sheet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I it, honestly, like, once they even said that, you know, Arn's going to be managing him, I was like, okay, well, it's only a matter of time before Arn, like, turns on Cody. And I'm still kind of waiting for that to happen. And maybe <laughs> once, you know, Cody goes back into the feud with MJF, maybe that's when we see that take place. I was hoping for um, Arn to join MJF. I think that will eventually happen. Maybe mm. you'll have the uh, the Revival join him, too. That would be a good stable. Yeah. All right. Anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, up next, we had Chris Statlander going up this against Penelope Ford. You know, for a match that was kind of like last second um, with like Britt baker's injury and everything like that um statlander 
she's still green, but she's got tons of potential. And I've been impressed with Penelope Ford, you know, um, from what I've seen her like in the ring. So it was what it was, you know, <laughs> so um, it felt a little bit of like filler. But, you know, I guess they're trying to like get Statlander, mm-hmm. you know, over at this point as a potential like, you know, contender for the belt. They clearly do believe in her. Um, she had gotten a title match not too long ago. Uh, she had, I think she got almost injured before Evolution. Someone was. And then um, she fought on television. So, I mean, they, they definitely skyrocketed her right away. That feels like three years ago to me. Like, I <laughs> honestly forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, no, obviously they, you know, have a lot of hopes, like, attached to her. So she just needs to get more reps in, it feels like. All Some right. of her matches are a little clunky. All right. Uh, up next, we have Sean Spears versus Dustin Rhodes. This just felt like the comedy brick. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just kind of a buffer in between matches. <laughs> so this definitely wasn't an actual match. Sean came out, challenged to challenged Dustin, thinking that he wasn't there. He was there. Um, ended up getting stripped pretty much down to his underwear and then actually exposing his ass. <laughs> You know, to the pay-per-view audience, it is what it is. I yeah, mean, it's definitely uh, skippable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if you needed a bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, we have Sheeta versus Nyla Rose. I was actually really impressed with this match. I thought they actually they had really good chemistry. Um, I've seen them, you know, before, you know, obviously um, facing off and... I wasn't too excited about this match because it didn't feel like they were clicking much. Um, I feel like that was more in like tag matches and stuff. But um, this match overall, I I was happy with. I was really surprised that Sheeta went over here um, since Nyla just got the belt. Mm-hmm. So um, it doesn't seem very typical of AEW um, to do like such a quick, you know, um, title loss. But you know, I was pleasantly, you know, surprised by it. And I, I was actually kind of happy for Sheeta. So it was a nice feel-good moment. Yeah, no, I was pretty impressed with this match as well. Um, I feel like this is the best, one of the best uh, women's matches they've had in AEW so far. Um, it was a great showing uh, by Sheeta throughout the match. Um, I, I was happy with the victory. Um, I, it is kind of it's funny that you say uh, that it feels short. Because, I mean, she's had the title the same amount of time as Moxley. And, you know, it's Moxley's felt like he's had it for a while at this point, you know? Yeah, no, that is true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know, maybe just because she hasn't she hasn't been on camera as much, maybe? Yeah, they, they definitely they definitely need to work on how much they're exposing the women's matches and stuff on AEW. And- I'm wondering, too, though, with Nyla, I wonder if it was because of, you know, the lockdown and everything like that. You know, the shelter. Oh, I don't possible. know if she was even there. You know, when they were doing those tapings. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why it feels weird. Like, she just got the title. So, but, I mean, it's still only a, a couple months. But, yeah. No, you're right. Oh, that makes sense. Um, Up next, we have John Moxley versus Mr. Brody Lee. I like that there's a Mr. in his name now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. What did you think of this match, Christian? You know, um, I like... I'm I'm really excited to see Brody Lee outside of WWE at this point. Um, I've I've liked what I kind of like what he's been doing with um, the Dark Order. Uh, I'm still like I'm still hoping for more out of that faction. 
Uh, I definitely think that they could take it way further than they have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed the storyline of him taking the title and everything. I didn't really understand the security guards at the beginning of the match. It kind of felt like off brand for a guy who runs a cult to be hiring um, security it, guards. I think it might have had been like had to do with him stealing the belt from Moxley. So maybe he was protecting himself. Like if Moxley was going to jump in beforehand and grab the belt. I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm trying to give them a reason for it because it, it did feel weird. Um, but yeah, it, it, like why wouldn't you have like, you know, the Dark Order surrounding exactly. him? So, um, so, I mean, I wasn't too excited for this match just because I felt like it was too soon for it. Mm-hmm. I know they're, they're kind of handcuffed with everything that's going on right now. And they needed to have like a championship match that would like carry some weight. Um, I'm not completely convinced this is the right role for Brody Lee. Like if it feels to me like he's almost like miscast here, mm. um, you know, and I don't know if it was a case of them outsmarting themselves because um, it felt like, you know, everything was pointing to Matt Hardy you know, being, you know, the exalted one. And then I don't know if they just wanted to pull a fast one to pull a fast one or if this is what they had in mind the entire time. But I just haven't really, I don't know. I The, the character hasn't resonated with me. Um, I do like, you know, that it's kind of like this, you know, weird spoof of McMahon. <laughs> but at the same time, I still don't believe him as the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did enjoy the match, however. I thought it was really hard hitting. I didn't think, you know, Brody lost anything by losing the match. No, I didn't no, think it hurt strong, him. Because yeah. um, mm-hmm. my concern, too, with this whole match was like, you're going to beat him already. Because you knew Moxley was going to go over here. Um, but I felt like Nyla Rose was going to go over. So maybe I would have been <laughs> But yeah, so I felt like, you know, I, I was like, well, this is a guaranteed Moxley win here. So like, are you beating like you know, one of your newer guys so soon, like, can you get him back where he needs to be? Um, but I felt like this match didn't hurt him at all. Like the way that, you know, they had him basically pass out, um, I thought was effective. And I feel like in the long run, they can revisit this feud if they need to. So, no, we, but I, we know that Moxley's going to go against Cage at Fighter Fest um, yes. next. So, um, but yeah, it, it I'm wondering where they take the Dark Order from here. Um, I'm wondering, like, w- like who's Brody's next target. Mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting that, like, for someone that's this type of character, you know, a cult leader and everything like that, there was less interference in this match than there was in the Cody match. You know, it's it yeah. seems like if there was going to be a character with full of cheating and stuff like that, and people running in it would be Brody Lee's character but no we we got a pretty straightforward match at the end of the day well maybe now Brody's like learned his lesson and now mm. that's what we're gonna get next time when these two face off um you know and maybe they felt like they need to establish Brody Lee as a, a, a reckoning a force you know to be like really dealt with um so I don't know I'm just speculating <laughs> All right, uh, last but not least, we had the Stadium Stampede match uh, with the Inner Circle going up against the Elite plus Matt Hardy. I thought this was fantastic. (laughs) I loved every second of it. I mean, it was as ridiculous as I thought it was going to be, but in a good way, not like in a Money in the Bank way. 
um, because mm. there was still wrestling at the core of everything that was going on. Um, so it wasn't just like bad shtick for bad shtick's sake. Um, you know, the comedy all worked with me. Um, I love the fact that they had an entire football stadium at their disposal and they used it well, you know. Um, so, I, I mean, the shit with Hangman and, you know, Hager in the bar was fantastic. Sammy was absolutely MVP for me, though. <laughs> um, he's just amazing. He really mm-hmm. is. Like, he's one of my favorite wrestlers right now. Um, just because he really steals the show every time he's out there. Um, he's the heart of the inner circle. So, I mean, I just, I love what they're doing with him. And just like, you know, he's he's the whipping boy because he's willing to do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's getting him over. So, um, fucking hangman on the goddamn horse was fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, and it was it was nice to see the Bucks back, too. So, and everything with Hardy worked well. I would, you know what, speaking of Brody Lee, I think that's the next feud. If I was going to, you know, book a next feud for Brody, it would be like him versus Hardy. I think that would work well. Yeah, there's tons of things you could do with that. Yeah, I mean, you could even have Hardy, like, stealing, like, some of his cult members, really, if you want to go that way. (laughs) So, um, but anyway, yeah, this all worked for me. I thought this was just the Mm. right amount of ridiculousness. Um, you know, it was 30 minutes long and this is what a cinematic, like, you know, wrestling match should be like. Oh, exactly. I mean, for, for it being like 34 minutes long, it didn't feel that way. It never dragged. There was never, you know, a dull moment in the match. It was crazy and fun through and through. Whereas just like money in the bank match was just bad joke after bad joke and tons of weird pausing for no reason yeah without without actual wrestling happening no it's about no this really you know hit all those right marks i agree 100 percent. i agree 100 percent. and how awesome is it that they could revisit this match and now they have like their own staple match that they can go Mm. to um and i think this is like the first like original like AEW creation match wise that i think is going to stick around like i don't think the casino whatever the hell the fucking ladder match was called i don't think we're gonna get that every year where i could see them doing a stadium stampede Mm. every year every other year you know you don't want to beat it into the ground and you need the right people to like pull the match off but i mean i could definitely see this being like a tradition no, absolutely. I mean, throw it in somewhere around like uh, Super Bowl time, and you got a perfect combination. Yeah, well, that there you go, man. So, okay, all right, man. So, overall, what would you rate this pay per view? Um, I would probably give it a four. I'm gonna give it a solid four. I feel like the um, ladder match brought it down a bit for me, um, and the Cody match again could have been way better. Also, I I didn't get anything out of Chris Statlander versus. Um, uh, Penelope so and just it's the little things that bring it down but I, I think a four is a fair number for it so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna give it a four and a half star rating Christian just because it reminded me how fun wrestling can be it was you know it was a breezy watch I really really dug the stadium stampede <laughs> it did bring up the rest of the card for me yeah it wasn't perfect but, you know, it, it's been a while since I've had such a great time watching wrestling. So 
I'm going to give it four and a half stars just because of those circumstances. Yeah, I'm gray on a fucking curb. I get it. But <laughs> <laughs> four and a half stars, goddammit. No, man, it's fair. You know, how good does it feel to end a pay-per-view conversation not wanting to kill ourselves, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Money in the Bank, I was close. <laughs> I wanted to jump off the roof with Mysterio. <laughs> sure to murder both Ben. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, that does it for this week's episode. But before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right, and if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely. And you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. Yeah, next week I'm going to be talking a little Rick and Morty after the season finale for season four. Tune in next week for all that and more. All right, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. You remind me of the babe. Babe with the power. Power. Power of voodoo. You do. Remind me of the babe.